Welcome to Decades From Home, a podcast about the weird and wonderful side of living in Germany. And all without saying, I'm aber sexy. I'm Nick Houghton of 40percentgerman.com and I'm joined by my co-host Simon Maddox, my bearded Kuschelbear. How you doing, baby? <laughs> I'm doing well, darling. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing a theme here. I'm aber sexy, Kuschelbear. Yeah, yeah. What's all this pointing to? Obviously, last week we had Abby as a, a live guest, but we recorded an extra bit towards the end about Berlin and the differences between Berlin and Bavaria and, yeah, just what it's like in different parts of Germany sort of comparing notes. So that's something to look forward to in the second half of the show. But before we get to sensible conversations with sensible people, I've got to talk to these two idiots first. <laughs> so what's been going on, Simon? What's been happening in your week? Before we get into that, this is also an interesting moment because in the first half of the podcast, I am I'm bristling. I'm feeling good. I'm, I've had my tea. I've, I've had some breakfast. And in the second half, it's going to be me last week where I was hungover. So we can see <laughs> exactly. if anyone notices uh, a different buoyancy <laughs> to my tone. I'm trying to remember if you said anything. Uh, there was a point at the end of the Berlin chat where I was I was, I was, was not really paying a huge <laughs> amount of attention. I zoned out for sure. And uh, so, yeah, if there's a moment of absolute silence for about five minutes, you know, it's me reflecting on my poor decisions from the night before last Saturday. I've been saying that I remember when we did the Tuesday record a few weeks ago and I messaged you as I was listening to it. And I was like, there's a distinct lack of energy. <laughs> like Tuesday <laughs> nights are not a good day. Or I think evenings are not a good day to podcast unless we're drinking. But um, oh God, I couldn't face drinking on a Tuesday. I, I, I'm open to the suggestion. Uh, I wouldn't have anything against it. No, I got the semester break, so... I have a lot of marking to do, but it does mean that I don't have to wake up at crack of dawn. But I think if I have to, if I know I have to be up at before eight on a weekday, having a beer just really just turns me off. Like it has to be something, <laughs> has to be something extreme. I, cause I remember many moons ago when we would watch football on a weekday, like we'd watch Champions League games and have a few beers and I'd wake up and I'd be fine and go to work the next day and it wouldn't be an issue, but doing that now the energy levels really are not there so i don't mm. want to suffer that if i can avoid it I need, I need an exceptional hangover cure this is what is still lacking it's 2022 and there's still not a really good hangover cure there's nothing universal apart from drinking more alcohol and that's not always great news we made a goddamn covid vaccine in a year how can they not make a hangover <laughs> hangover cure i mean whoever makes it is going to be an absolute billionaire in a matter of weeks. I don't know why there aren't more firms investing <laughs> in this R&D. Like the, whenever I think of hangover cures, my mind goes back to Back to the Future 3, <laughs> where he has the hangover cure in that, and it's like an egg mm -hmm. and Tabasco sauce and a shot of whiskey or something. There's like loads of ingredients, and he drinks it and passes out. <laughs> like I feel like it has to be a combination of, of things that would make a hangover cure. You suggested having a breakfast has given you a bit of pep. So it has to have like a breakfast element to it, possibly. I mean, for me, my, my fantasy one is always a Bloody Mary. Oh, yeah. uh, I don't have vodka and tomato juice at home, and I, I probably should. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's my ultimate. It has the Tabasco. Yeah. Uh, tomato, I guess, is breakfast adjacent. But I mean, there are lots of places, especially in the US, where if you order a Bloody Mary, they will have like bacon. Uh, as like a garnish as really? well yeah yeah 
there was a, a barbecue place uh, in southeast Portland that did that. They had like curled rashers of bacon on on sticks with olives, and that was that was fucking divine. It really, is the land of opportunity. Yeah, shout out it? to Clay's on Division. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, actually, I mean that does sound quite exciting. I, I, usually, when I again, I think of Bloody Marys in the context of having like a, a large weekend or doing sort of stag night or something where you wake up the next day and you know you're going to be drinking and you need to ease yourself back into the the rhythm. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bloody Mary on a Tuesday morning or a Wednesday morning sounds like a horrendous idea. <laughs> I'm just going to just knock this. Yes, Nick, you have an issue. I was going to have a Virgin Bloody Mary, but that's not really the same. See, I, I, I love a Virgin Bloody yeah. Mary. Just really spicy, really peppery, lots of Worcester sauce, just heavy on all the, all the ingredients. Um, yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. But I say I don't have any at home because my wife doesn't like it, so I just never buy it. It's weird. I should. I put it on the list. Yeah, you should do. You should sort that out. So yeah, it's an error. Error in judgment. Next week, Bloody Mary. <laughs> so we'll just be drinking Bloody Marys on the podcast. Doesn't sound that bad, really. Um, yeah, I was uh, with my mind on the idea of terrible combinations. I came across. Well, it's a, it's a curious story. So Dr. Utger was posting the other day about making a fish finger pizza. This is Dr. Utger, the food brand, not um, <laughs> a strange PhD holder. It's Dr. Utger, <laughs> the evil genius at this point. But um, yeah, so he, he um, the company, Dr. Utger, because Dr. Utger has been dead for a, for a number of decades, he, uh, he did it again. <laughs> they... Released a load of tweets. I mean, apparently the story goes back to last year or the year before where there was a April Fool's Day joke about them making a fish finger pizza. And then this year they've said, oh, we're going to make it for real this time in a limited run. Everyone's unconvinced as to whether it's a real thing. I found it, tweeted it, and a lot of people responded with kind of like how disgusting it was and how it was like a, a crime or... There's people going, British food's terrible too. Or like so there's a lot of people just assumed it was a negative. And I was like, no, I quite I don't see why it's a bad idea. I can imagine Italians being a bit miffed. One of their uh, national dishes is being corrupted. Because it is a curious looking thing, spinach and fish finger pizza. But I'd eat it. I, I absolutely would. The the thing that got me and it was that the name of the pizza wasn't just fish stapion pizza. So they called it pizza bastonicini di pesche. So they used the Italian to make it sound more enticing, I imagine. But if I was Italian, I would be offended by that as well. And then Nuova instead of Noi uh, or New. It's, yeah, they've really they've gone for it. Italian sort of stereotypes are that they're very protective of their food and that mm-hmm. um, they get very offended very easily about their food being misused or... Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure how true that is. I, I was, and I think I've said this before. I was served a pizza in Italy, uh, and was instead of given a knife and fork, I was given um, some scissors. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced of the sort of Italy is the land of the finest food in the world. And also, I know from personal experience with certain foods that some countries will sort of bring a food in 
and make it better than the country that has made it you know i think there's there's a truth in that too i think there's a possibility for it i'm not saying the wrong but i'm not saying the right either but one of the things i was thinking was uh pizza was actually like and it's a weird food that Italians to get annoyed about if they ever did because pizza was originally not a very interesting food for italians it was kind of considered to be a sort of poor mm-hmm. man's food to a certain extent and uh and then it went to america and became massive in america and then came back to italy and it's actually coined the term the pizza effect which is the this is from the wikipedia article the pizza effect is the phenomenon of elements of a nation or people's cultures being transformed or at least fully embraced elsewhere then re-imported to their culture of origin in the way pizza was so So you're telling me there's an opportunity for us to to make the pie effect and we can use all german ingredients to make pie and then take them back to the uk in a whole new dynamic flow of (laughs) German engineering. I think there is. I think there is. I'm not sure how well they'll sell because obviously they're still a bit hazy about the about Europe. I'm not sure if you noticed. <laughs> and also, I think the the, the, the logistical issues are, are are well documented. So maybe we uh, maybe we just keep it here until um, some yeah. point where we can export it. But a lot of people pointed out that that this fish finger pizza is like a combination of combination of Italian and British cooking. Or a combination of German and, and and Italian and British cooking. I'm not sure how what the dynamic is, but I didn't realise that fish fingers were instantly assumed to be a British delicacy. Fish finger sandwiches, apparently. I mean, yeah, there's something I've had in my past, but Igloo is is a German company, isn't it? Well, what is it in Britain? It's what Igloo it? and Bird's Eye in Britain. Bird's Eye. It's the same company. It's like how Walls ice cream is Walls in britain but it's here it's called uh langanese oh so igloo is, is is based in the uk yeah. you would imagine that f- the first fish fingers would have been scandinavian i imagine that finland or some nice <laughs> northern coastal country would have been the first people to like freeze and then bread uh, a fish finger. no i think freezing was discovered in britain the process of freezing i think he f- discovered it in the 17th century that might just be a random fact that i'm pulling out of my ass but that is impressive. The term fish finger is first referenced in a recipe given in a popular British magazine in 1900. Okay. And the dish is often considered symbolic of the United Kingdom. Now, I didn't know that, but there you go. Well, I mean, the other joyous thing to, to talk about whilst we have this topic is that, of course, fish finger is very British English. Uh, what do the Americans call them? Fish sticks. <laughs> yeah, they call them fish sticks. Yeah. And, of course, that makes me think of the amazing South Park episode where they <laughs> where they get Kanye West <laughs> to not get the joke about how he likes fish sticks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, very you really tickled you, didn't you? <laughs> it was really funny. I like fish sticks. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I never got really got into South Park. Um, I feel like it's something I should have got into, but I never really did. Yeah, I was never, I was never a massive fan, but that is <laughs> that episode, episode I you. enjoy a lot. <laughs> um. Um, yeah, so <laughs> such a weird tangent. That's the episode title. <laughs> weird tangent. Just one long weird tangent. So. What other pizza variants would you go for? I mean, there's a lot of good stuff I think you can chuck on a pizza, especially British stuff that can make it really good. I would really be up for, um, I mean, the first ingredient is Italian, a bit of prosciutto, uh, sort of salty ham, and then with some black pudding, uh, and then some mushrooms. I think that would be a really nice combination. Ah, it sounds quite nice. Mm. Artisanal, (laughs) I'd say. I'm thinking full-on German pizza, so you've got... Instead of tomato sauce, you've got Jäger schnitzel sauce. 
mm-hmm. and then you got schnitzel on the top and then i guess what kind of vegetable do you want to put with it road coal yeah that seems a bit heavy though you know what i mean like i think you put the you put the road coal on and, and you, it's game over it's game <laughs> over that pizza I don't think you can put cabbage on a pizza because I don't think it works, really. It's not going to crisp up, is it? It's just going to be a bit soggy. Releases a lot of water, doesn't it? Mm. So I think you'd end up with quite a damp pizza, and that's that's the enemy of it. Maybe if you dehydrate the cabbage <laughs> first, and then you end up with like a, a crispy cabbage crust. I think the crispy element, my thought was, do you know how you get um, Kirschspätzle, mm-hmm. and you get the Zwiebel, the, the Knusperger Zwiebel mm-hmm. off, off the top, right? The crispy onions. That's the crispy element in my mind. Okay. And I think you get that. I think you get that on the top of a Jäger schnitzel as well. You sometimes get crispy onions on the mm-hmm. top. So we could just get more of that because you can't go wrong with very fried onions, you know. And then we need we need another vegetable. That was my thought. Or just put cheese over it. We're just putting cheese. We're just putting birdcage over the top of it. Oh, not birdcage. And just have done. No, Too much. Tasting like hay. Uh. <laughs> tastes taste of the earth, my friend. That's what you want. It's an honest <laughs> flavour. I mean, I'd prefer that to, to butter kizer. I think that would be pretty abhorrent. I mean, that's like putting American cheese mm. on your pizza, like slices of, of, of American cheese. I mean, American cheese has its place in the in the, in the food kaleidoscope, <laughs> but on top of pizza is probably not it. Yeah, I can't think of any mozzarella-adjacent German cheeses, and, and why would there oh, fuck be it, we'll just, we'll just put mozzarella on it yeah. and have done with it. German-made, hergestellt in yeah. Deutschland mozzarella. <laughs> 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 That's his unser mozzarella. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's what you want. Um, so that that would be my German German offering. I was telling you before we started recording that uh, there was a pizza that I'd seen that was a English breakfast pizza. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that was exactly the problem I just mentioned, which is that it had a lot of ingredients that retained a lot of water, so like tomatoes and mm-hmm. things like that. So you, you cook it, and essentially the middle would just be a liquid. Yeah. And it was... I had those like cocktail sausages on it as well. It was just, it wasn't great. It wasn't a great offering. Yeah, I mean, for those kinds of things, you have to transition to the incredible quiche. Oh, um, yeah. Which isn't much of a thing in Deutschland either. Uh, I mean, you do get, you see a quiche Lorraine every now and again in a cafe, but it's not a staple here. And as you say, a lot of supermarkets in the UK will have seven or eight different quiches, and one of them's always the all day breakfast with sausages, bacon, mushrooms, tomato in. And it's just, it's a perfect vessel um, for all of these ingredients. The perfect vessel. We're going on a voyage of taste. I love quiche. Love it. Uh, we've got a friend, um, High Stage, who makes one of the most amazing things that I ever mm. came across, which was the breakfast pie. <sighs> I think I I almost fell in love with them that day he gave me a, a, a piece of it, which is, it's it's a pie, so it's got pastry, top and bottom, and then he's just filled it with layers and layers of various breakfast foods. And then the, the bit, the bit that he would he kept, he just whenever he told me about it, he repeated this bit of information over and over again, and and, and I didn't know why until I saw it. He then puts the lid on and cracks two eggs yeah. on the top. So what you end up with is essentially a pie with two fried eggs on the top, and then like every English breakfast staple running all the way through. It is it's a thing of beauty? It really is. And he only does it with ingredients from the UK or Ireland as well. He doesn't do it with, with German stuff. <laughs> So it's, it's a very rare yeah. thing when it does come around, but yeah. my God, what a time to be alive when it does happen. It does. I mean, it takes years off your off your life, but my God, it's, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth it every every time. <laughs> I 
We already talked a bit about Berlin as as being a place where freelancers might find work or find communities of people. And obviously, long-term listeners will know Simon and I are residents of the Grand Freistadt of Bavaria. And so we're sort of curious, what, and I'm certainly curious about what it's like to, to live in Berlin. So I hope you don't mind us picking your brain, Abby. No, as long as you also tell me what it's like where you are, because that's <laughs> what I'm curious about. There's lots of cows. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I've talked to Simon about, and I think we've discussed a lot, is this idea of Berlin being kind of separate from the rest mm. of Germany. It's not really representative. Do you feel that Berlin is representative of, of the rest of Germany or is it one of these islands in the in a sea of verst and beer I guess yeah I would be interested in what you think given that you're not in Berlin and you're looking at Berlin from the outside in but um no from, from as someone who's in Berlin I feel uh I think I think it's not representative of the rest of Germany it's um Berlin is it's a it's a unique place it's um it's known for its kind of for its like techno and its creativity mm. and it's i think the famous quote is that it's poor but sexy yeah so i feel like berlin is quite it's 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 unique and i don't think it's it's that representative of the rest of germany but i'd be interested in whether you how you feel about it looking in i think i've always thought it wasn't very representative yeah. but at the same time i think germany is we said this loads of times germany's 16 different countries mm. like 16 states 16 countries and i think having a city that's first and foremost berlin's like the largest city by far i think three and a half million people and the next biggest is like one and a half million so it's like the biggest city it's got um it's got a, a totally different history to a lot of states especially because it was divided for yeah. so long i think it's when you hear about sort of trends in berlin it's kind of like hearing about trends on the moon for, for, <laughs> for, for, for me when like you hear about stuff that's popular and you're like eh, like why is that popular or even when people on twitter talk about berlin it does feel like like they'll mention something and there'll be loads of people talking about it and like, i don't even know what that is and it'll be like some <laughs> club or it'll be some like event or something that's really famous in berlin and loads of people are talking about it but like, you've never can you think of what like you saw that for berghain yeah, yeah, berghain. yeah. Is that weird? Is that... exactly that there is no berghain in nuremberg <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like and it's like so meaningful to people and you don't have and i think because there's so many people talking about it because it is a big city mm. you sort of it just makes you like what what's that about and it was there wasn't there was something to do with kanye west and his new girlfriend or something went out and they were dressed in like weird snm stuff and there was loads of berlin memes about like how oh, the um like yeah like sort of um this is what it's like to go to the post office in berlin and there's like <laughs> kanye west in a, in a gimp suit and you're like right. what the hell is this all about yeah. right and because you, you obviously that's something you don't think about so maybe it's the internet accentuating the the strange a bit more yeah, but i do feel it's representative because it is so different <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there is. There definitely, I guess, there's the strange going on in Berlin. I know a friend has said before. I think they said something like, um, "Halloween is great in Berlin because the kids look really cute, but the the parents and the adults you can't tell if they're dressed up or not." Though, which is like, <laughs> very, very Berlin, and uh, everyone's like, "Yeah, that's definitely true. That's true. That's what makes Berlin Berlin in a lot of ways." I think for a lot mm. of people, uh, the strange and the weird and the 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 kind of thing. Do you feel like there is some uh, resentment? towards berlin that you mentioned uh big you know seeing things that everyone's talking about going on yeah, in berlin. Yeah. do you feel like there's a bit of resentment towards oh everything's happening in berlin and, and people all you know it's, it gets too much attention 
Because I know there's that in the, in the UK with London a bit, isn't there? So yeah, I think it's it depends where you live in Germany and and how much you resent Berlin. I think there is a little bit of that, but I mean, where we live down in, in Bayern, like most of the resentment is is focused on Munich. Oh. Like that's who that's who we're angry about because that's where all the money is. Um, but I think that speaks more to sort of the Bavarian mentality of, of mm. wealth. I mean, obviously there are a lot of people that wish that nightlife was a bit closer to the to the Berlin model. But whenever I'm in Berlin, it makes me feel more like I'm in sort of like dealing with like Camden or something, or sort of the punk mm. rock version uh, of London. But of course, Berlin has many different faces and many different sorts of regions to the city that are all pretty unique to themselves. Um, and yeah. I I wouldn't live there myself because I've got very much used to living in sort of this quite almost Americanized uh, ideal of like what Germany is like Bretzeland mm. and like Altstadt uh, and, and flowing beer. Um, I think that's more the Germany that I fall in love with. To think to come back to the previous question about if it's representative, I think it depends on where you're from. If it's representative, because I think when British people think of of Germany. They think more about sort of Berlin, northern mm. Germany model. And if you ask an American to draw a picture of Germany, they're going to draw something like Neuschwanstein. Um, so I think where you come from sort of shapes how representative it is. I, I like the punk rock fuck you attitude that Berlin has in spades compared to where we live. Schnauzer, yeah. Yeah, I, I do yeah, like I that. Just... That is quite charming. But it's also the only city I've seen like drug dealing happening out in the open. Um, yeah. It's the only city where someone's kicked a rock at me. <laughs> like it is it is edgy to a point that's not always fantastic <laughs> yeah no i agree it is it is it does have that I, I think you're right when you say that it's got many faces i think and so, i do think that sometimes um especially outside of berlin or even it, like maybe internationally people only see the face which is ah oh, berlin's cool and it's edgy mm. and it's and of course it has that but it's got many different faces and it's also you know every area in berlin like any city is different so um, you've got Neukölln, which is like a lot more um, um, international, what cool bars and things like that. But you've got quieter areas which are further out, which are more family, or and it isn't just one thing. Um, and also, there are a lot of people like me who've been living here for for um, quite a long time. It's not it's not just kind of young people who are partying all the time and it's there's a lot there's a lot more to it as well than that that sometimes it's lost. I think when we think about sort of resentment of the capital well obviously as british people were were structured that around london because but the the way like britain's made up is totally different to how germany's mm. made up and and i think talking about munich as a bone of contention for bavarians is quite true because the most influential part of, of government is for mm. us is going to be in munich especially during the pandemic but mm. with with britain obviously london is a source of of annoyance anger because it's where the center of government is it's where the center of the administration is it's the center of a lot of the arts and the culture and a lot of the funding and the money that goes from other other areas sort of funnels through london and there's a sense if you're in the north of england or in scotland that you could have all the benefits if it wasn't for this massive vacuum down south and i don't really feel like that about berlin particularly i don't feel like it's i like the idea of making fun of berlin Mm. like (laughs) and i think there's like teasing people about but like the joke about everyone having blue hair and stuff like that it's kind of i might say that but um but i think ultimately i like i think it's a really it's a really cool city and it's a exciting city to live mm-hmm. in and but it's it but i think 
again like simon i'm really used to this kind of the pace of mm. bavaria where it's things close at eight you know and <laughs> everything's shot on a sunday and the and you have those issues it's quite conservative it's quite middle class but at the same time like the mountains are an hour mm. an hour away and um the sort of the beer culture where simon lives is something that's that's really like cool and those elements of living in bavaria the communal culture is really nice as well yeah um not to say that yeah obviously berlin has communal culture but they have like such a big city it's mm. going to be segmented into areas of the city that have their own little festivals and stuff mm. whereas there's something that's really enjoyable about a full-on bavarian like door fest where mm. everyone in the village is, is is sort of coming together and celebrating the i don't know the founding of a church i never really know what they're celebrating <laughs> i'm just like i'm here for the schnitzel <laughs> and the beer. <laughs> yeah no that does sound really nice i think I think talking about uh, the difference with people resenting London and not not resenting Berlin, it's yeah that that it's just a totally different setup, isn't it? There's like mm. um, Germany has lots of different cities that are all quite powerful and mm-hmm. um, you know on the on the international stage as well. So and Berlin also isn't the centre of everything. So in London, you really do have like my industry media, like all of the uh, media organisations will all have like their main or large office largely not not all maybe but in london but in berlin for example that's hamburg which has a lot of the media mm-hmm. um, offices yeah. um and somewhere in other places as well so it's it's not all concentrated in exactly the same way in, in lots of fields and berlin doesn't have a huge financial center that would be uh, frankfurt so so we can all hate frankfurt together <laughs> yeah exactly it's a completely <laughs> different setup and i guess berlin is like it's funny that you say you know that sometimes you like to laugh at berlin like it's i guess there's more of that that's always a bit of a oh, the, what are they doing in Berlin? The crazy, you know. But you don't want to be. I don't want to be snide about it because I think there is that element of with with Germans that can. So people, I'll maybe write something about Bavaria, or I'll talk about Bavaria, or make a joke about it online, and there'll be a lot of people who are sort of have this idea of what Bavaria is, mm. and it's like full of farmers and CDU voters and really conservative Catholics, and like yeah, there is that. There is that totally. There is that element, but there's also quite it's 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 not it's not that at the same time and the same as if like if i said oh in berlin everyone everyone's got blue hair and everyone works for a startup there would be a lot of people who would fit that category i'm sure (laughs) but it's not it's not the whole of the place so i'm not like that 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 sort of narrow-minded but i do think there are there are people out there who who probably are like that what do you think in bavaria uh is there that people are not seeing when people have the stereotype of bavaria what what are they missing that's there is a lot of like so, take music, right? Take, um, I mean, even take techno. You know, like th- th- there's been there's been like house and techno clubs in Bavaria that are good. They're not going to be on the scale of the stuff you'd see in Berlin, but there's a lot of like like good underground sort of DJs and stuff. Mm. And you can find a nice night out going to one of, like one of these places, one of these clubs. If you if you're willing to look, it isn't just going to sort of fall on your lap. And it's rare that you're going to get like a big star coming through your your way uh, if you're living in in an Augsburg even in Nuremberg necessarily but I think it does give you an opportunity to see a lot of different stuff I think that's that side of it the quite modern side of Bavaria that I think people miss I suppose it's the same for a lot of states but the variance like where Simon is compared to where I am in Bavaria and Bavaria is the second biggest state Mm. was the biggest state I forget so you've got like a proper range of difference in all these different areas, mm. not just in sort of local culture, but 
like just how people speak German, for instance. Mm. So you feel like you're in, you can go around Bavaria and have like a real adventure that you would, you you might not get in other states. I think there's that, and mm. it's just it, it's very varied in that way. But in the north, I think, and this is something I just observed as a tourist. In the north, there's a lot of focus on sort of like the 20th century history right especially in berlin mm. obviously it's going to be a lot of focus whereas i think in bavaria you, the, there is that there is that element and there is just like museums you can go to that relate to sort of second world war and things like that and there's a massive one where simon is but there's also like this is how we used to farm in the middle ages and you can go walk walk around like a like a park like and, and it's got sort of farming techniques and stuff like it's on a nice day and it's like there's a lot of like focus on the traditional histories yeah. of the areas or you can go to a i don't know how many times i've just rocked up to a monastery and they've had like a beer garden and mm. it's like this is hilarious like i'm gonna get pissed with the monks <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> and sort of not that everything should be getting about getting pissed but what are you going to do when you're in a, in a brewery that's the oldest in germany or whatever you know yeah. um and so there is that element to it as well and i think i think those are the things that are sort of missed when you're you're just talking about like either sort of loads of farmers or like munich is a kind of snobby kind of place yeah i think that's interesting i think that that definitely is missed when in a lot of the perception of munich especially from from just from what I've heard or up here there is an idea of like I had not heard about the Bavarian techno for example <laughs> uh. <laughs> I mean let's not go overboard it's not it's not, it's not like it's not flowing from from every house you know but like I think it's I think it's it's little things the the expectation is that they wouldn't have these yeah. places or it would be quite stale um I mean Simon listens to more or goes to, or has been to see more live acts than I have but he's more sort of a punk <laughs> aficionado um i don't know if there's more bavarian punk bands than than, than people would think i can't name any bavarian punk bands <laughs> you put me on the spot there no no i mean you can you can have a think about it and come back to us but um but then i was the other thing i was thinking i spent a lot of yesterday doing sort of quite country activities at my parents-in-law and we had to get the wood out of the forest that my father-in-law's pays for so that we can all get wood for the the wood ovens that we have and mm. um there was like a big group of us and we're all sort of working together and we're driving the back and forth with these trailers full of wood and people were like waving at everyone and stopping talking to farmers that don't sort of their family had known their family for ages and there is an element of when I, my, my dad lived in north allerton and he went to a village and it would be like, oh, well, that that guy has a house and he works in London and he's here at weekends. And that guy over there is that he rents that house out. And it felt like it was the wealthy people had moved to the village, mm. whereas the people in the village that at least from a wife's village, that they're all like interconnected over generations. Mm. And I think there is, yeah, there is a little bit of group think that comes with that. But there's also some like really positive stuff of like, yeah, I mean, it's nice to know that your, your neighbor your neighbor's family's known your family for a couple of generations or that everyone goes to the the foyer house and has like a barbecue in the summer and stuff like that and everyone sort of has known each other a long time i think there is something that i've not experienced having lived in only cities until i moved here yeah like it's that kind of community i find really attractive and i think a lot of people would find it attractive once they got here but i think getting past it is quite difficult yeah i mean that does sound attractive that's making me want to move to bavaria but do, do you, <laughs> do you uh, yeah i need to get funded there? from the tourist board right I should, uh, <laughs> yeah. but do you feel that it's just as easy for like an outsider or you know it's like a, a, an international person to come in and feel welcome as part of that community 
I think if you're a, a six foot odd British white heterosexual male, then yeah, you're probably going to have a, like a riot. But I think to be perfectly honest, I have seen the uh, the other side of it, which is not every outside is welcome. Every village is different. And I think some are far better than others, and I think some are far more liberal than people would assume. But I think it is if you're uh, considered an outsider mm. and or you look different, I think, frankly, I, you would have a much harder time. Um, but I don't know if that that would be the same in cities. I think cities are different, obviously, than villages. But yeah. I, th- I still think that conservative mentality does tend to cross into the cities, the bigger cities of, of, of Germany. But, I mean, would you say, would you say that's the same, Simon, in Nuremberg? I mean, I think Nuremberg is, is pretty multicultural. I don't think it'd be a problem for anyone to, to move and, and be successful here. But I think, I mean, yeah, there have been incidents in Nuremberg land, like the countryside around the city where there has been overt racism. Um, yeah, I don't think it's that easy necessarily. I think speaking the language and being able to integrate is, is key. Uh, but I think if you turn up, like fresh off the plane with no German and no understanding of like the local culture, I think it would be quite challenging. It does depend on the region for sure. I mean, yeah, we've we've spoken before about the sort of the stereotype of Franconians where I live is that they're not particularly warm at the offset and it takes time. But once you're friends with them, you're friends with them for life kind of thing. And obviously that can be challenging because I think, especially if you're coming from somewhere like the UK or from the US, where small talk and just like that banter that starts off any new relationship is quite easy and well established. There are just easy questions. Whereas here, asking someone like "How are you?" Mm. can almost feel intrusive. Can like you're you're asking and that's private. Um, so it can be very very challenging. But at the same time, I've just moved into the suburbs, and I'd say fifty percent of the neighbours that we interact with are so much more friendly than what we experience in the city. And when we go for our walks around here, if we see someone in the woods, 99% of the time they say hello uh, yeah. and give a smile. Um, weirdly, once you get to the canal and walk along the canal, people don't say hello. So I don't know <laughs> what the, the rules are about that. <laughs> yeah. Industry um, happens here. <laughs> I mean, do you, think it, do you think it's easier for foreigners to live in Berlin? Yeah, I was going to say that sort of takes me, takes me back to Berlin in the... Um, there, I mean, Berlin can feel frustrating sometimes. It's like, mm. okay, you know, sometimes it can feel dirty or you don't have that, like you say, that sometimes that nice community feel or maybe it's, you feel a little further from nature than you might in some other places. And, um, and then you, yeah, you start listening and you think, oh man, maybe I should live in Bavaria. Berlin sounds, <laughs> sounds nicer than Berlin. But then, yeah, it's this, I think, that then, is nice about Berlin that it's like I think it's quite open for people from you know all sorts of different places and backgrounds and 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 to feel kind of maybe at at home maybe I mean everyone's experiences is different but I think Berlin is is it can maybe feel a slightly more welcoming place in that everyone you know it is a city full of all sorts of different people and uh you know it's 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 more multicultural it's all of this than being in say the Bavarian countryside so Mm. um i think in that sense and, and also in, in terms of speaking german like there's obviously a lot of people speaking english in, in in berlin there's a lot of international people so i think in that sense it can feel maybe like an easier place to get started in perhaps but also on the other hand on the other hand i know that some people do say that they move to berlin and find it hard to to meet people or that it's mm. not so always friendly so i think because you've got there like we said the berliner schnauzer and stuff which is the kind of slight 
bit of attitude. It's not always, it's, people are not going to always be happy to have a little chat with you in the street and things like that. So yeah, I, I, I think if, if I spoke to someone back home, they're like, I'm going to move to Germany. Mm. I speak no German. Where should I go? Then I'd, I'd definitely recommend Berlin above Nuremberg. Yeah. Um, but it depends on what the long-term plan is, really. If you want to make Germany your home long-term, then I would certainly recommend moving to Bavaria. It is an amazing place to live with, yeah, incredible countryside and incre- incredible variety. But yeah, if you're looking for techno clubs and an S&M, uh, it ain't Nuremberg. <laughs> Obviously, if you're looking for techno clubs and SM, you should definitely come to Berlin. That's a good, that's a great place for you. But it's one of their, ma- their major exports. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but also, it's not just you know if people are also just looking for a city which feels like it's um, yeah like a, a fairly open-minded city with a lot of creative stuff going on as well as a lot of other other things. It's a you know cultural hub. Uh, it's a it's a large city. Um, but it's more livable, I feel, than a lot of other major cities. If you're comparing it, say, to internationally, to say London or other, maybe Paris. I'm not sure. So, so yeah, it's not it's not just a feel. It's also it's, it's also a good city to live in if you just want to be in a city that that feels li- more livable than some places, while also having a lot of the things that you can do and and lot going on. Well, it's, I mean, it's still it's still Germany, right? So there's still things like standard of living. Yeah. green spaces that kind of stuff cycle lanes i mean i know they're not perfect in berlin but like that kind of stuff matters i think to a lot of people who are moving definitely i mean the lakes in berlin are amazing and when i first came to berlin in the first summer that i was here i couldn't believe that in uh zone two or something technically you could just get to a huge lake and just swim in the lake compared mm-hmm. the cities that i've been in, in in the uk that's just you couldn't do that in the same way so it's it, you've, mm. you've definitely got that side to it you've got a lot of you've got a lot of nature you've got huge lakes mm. loads of lakes around the city and you, you can feel like you're not in a city um going through a forest and through a lake in in lots of places in berlin when you're technically still in zone two or something. yeah that's something that's generally true about most cities in germany yeah. is that the they feel like they're more it's more enjoyable to live there there is pains along the way of course but my experience living in German cities has been much better than those that I lived in. In, in as much as I love Newcastle, it's got like it's got issues, you know. Yeah. Like certainly, so I mean that again. Something of the, 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 that I always think about Bavaria is I always wonder if I'm going a bit soft because <laughs> Bavaria's got like what's like one percent crime or something. Crime is just not a thing. <laughs> is, like people do leave low, the, yeah. their doors open, wow, and, okay. and it is like quite it makes you quite naive. And so when I go back to Newcastle and I see some like Raji bloke. Um, knacking cans of Kestrel on the, <laughs> at the bus stop. I'm not, it's like, oh, right, I'd forgotten that was a, a concept that you have in Britain. I mean, you do have, I don't know why it's always Hauptbahnhofs that seem to attract the sort of, <laughs> uh, the Rajis, but that's where you tend to see them in, in, in Augsburg, at least. I think the, the, the sort of dirty side of Berlin, as it were, puts a lot of people off because they're like, yeah. oh, it's dangerous. And well, I mean, just by comparison, it's going to be far more dangerous than, than Bavaria. Yeah. So I think that's something that a lot of people think about is yeah. if I'm going to get mugged, it's going to be <laughs> in, a, yeah. in a Berlin street. You know? I think it also depends on your comparison and what you're comparing it to and where you're coming mm-hmm. from. Because Episode to Tatort, that's what I'm comparing <laughs> okay. it to. There yeah. seems to be a lot of people murdered in uh, Berlin. <laughs> Munz yeah, Court is very really dangerous on TV. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah Munz is a deadly, deadly place. But Yeah, yeah I, I um, compared with London, I've, I've not found... But like I think I've, I I think I often felt more unsafe uh, late at night on the streets in London than I 
have in Berlin, but that's not to say that, of course, Berlin is still yeah. a big city. It's, it has got crime. Of course. It's not like, compared with, yeah, other places in, in Germany, it's probably more scary in that sense, maybe. One of the, the points about Berlin is, as we've talked about in a couple of different contexts, is like the creativity of the city. And I work in a stu- creative studio, so it's uh, I have a desk there, and um, mm. so I, it's you know, my studio that I work in. And it's we, the, the idea with the studio is that it's it's a co-working space, I guess, but it's it's meant to be a bit more of a community than just a. Mm-hmm. It's like own, you know, it's 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 um, rented by a couple of artists and who rents it all to the rest of us and it's meant to be a bit of a community so it's it's a, a co-working space so you could at any one time like rock up and there's there's people doing sort of uh, very creative things you're writing there's somebody doing i don't know painting or something yeah yeah so it's um it's a creative studio it's just by it's in it's in kreuzberg which is you know mm-hmm. like kind of arty area mm-hmm. uh, and it's uh, it's all sorts of different people doing different things so we've got um we've got artists there um now we've got one i don't know what it is even it's like a huge kind of paper mache person or something that they've created which is like sitting randomly on the sofa so i don't even know what they're doing with that but that's, <laughs> there. Um, that's cool yeah. so we've got that and then and, and yeah and there's photographers we've got videographers yeah all sorts of people and then there's uh, like someone else doing there's a couple of freelance journalist type people mm. but m- mainly it's artists and um and and people doing i, I share a room with an illustrator yeah, he's very good so yeah it's, 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 it's a good it's a really nice environment and it's uh, very creative full of people doing different things I think I find that really like the sort of collective element of collective of people doing creative projects and things like that. It's quite, it just feels like a nice environment to work in mm. where you've got, you, you're writing something, you look up and someone's like, oh, I'm just making a bust. You know, <laughs> I'm just doing a random thing. And, and, it, and it kind of, it just feels like, feels quite exciting, I guess. Before I was actually in the studio as a, having my own desk, I, I had a friend there, so I used to come along sometimes. But before mm-hmm. I was there, before the pandemic, um, they used to do show and tells. So it would be like an event where someone is doing some artwork on, you know, I don't know, they're, they're doing illustrations for an NGO on like, whatever. Uh, they would come and everyone would come, they would explain what it is. So everyone would learn a bit about it. You'd see it and uh, kind of, yeah, show, like a show and tell, which is, it's very easy when you're working in a certain field to only speak to others, for example, with me, other journalists or whatever. But it's really mm. nice and inspiring to be around other people who are all doing different things and you can kind of learn yeah. from each other. And, and it's just interesting and it's a nice environment to be in. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was curious because, because obviously with having like a, a creative studio like that, that maybe this was a reaction to a lot of the, the stories about gentrification that come out of Berlin. I mean, certainly, I, I don't know if Bavaria is going through gentrification because it already feels like it was gentrified several times in the last like hundred years or so. Um, so maybe it's just a continual process in the south. But a lot of the stories you read about uh, Berlin, Hamburg, the north of the, of the country, is about these struggles with with gentrification and, and doubly so for, for Berlin as it's the capital and it's a place where people want to put Google want to put their headquarters or will build a campus yeah. or something and is that something is is this a reaction to to the process of, of gentrification that's going on in Berlin or is this just like something that the kind of thing that could only happen in Berlin maybe yeah I mean I guess Berlin is is going through some sort of maybe transformation the history of Berlin obviously where you had the wall and then um, the wall came down and then you had all these empty spaces and it was very cheap for people to kind mm. of rent places and that's when you had a lot of techno clubs kind of 
springing up and um and creative studios springing up and and people moving artists moving to the city and able to rent cheap cheaply and i guess i guess we're sort of now we're in a stage where it's still got that sort of recent fairly recent history but it's become more and more popular more and more people coming here so yeah like you say that the startups are wanting to come here you're wanting to the, mm. the prices that everything is is, is is going up and for example with the creative studio that I'm in so it's an artist rented creative studio in Kreuzberg and the whole house that we're in is actually being evicted in um, a year or so um, which we've we've kind of fought against but it's still going ahead and I'm not sure exactly what is going to be there in our place but I imagine it's going to be startups the rent will be a lot more um, mm. so and and that's the whole house so it's not just the studio it's our neighbors who will also have an artist um, artist space and so in that sense yeah that's an example of, of how certain areas are changing in in Berlin such a shame mm. right it's the the general shame of gentrification that the place becomes popular because of the art communities and because of of people who are creative and then suddenly a load of property developers swoop in and like yeah we can make some studio apartments here there's some nice spray paints on the wall you know like oh look at the graffiti and we'll tidy that up as well and have a starbucks yeah um, <laughs> i always say like the the warning sign of gentrification is a cupcake shop i'm not sure if it's macaroons now but <laughs> if ever i see a cupcake shop open i'm like Phew. But the house prices have just doubled here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so it is. It's so then you're going to have to in a year's time find or before you, before the the sort of deadline, you're going to have to find another space to work in. Yeah. So I think I think we are being kicked out, but I think to kind of raise awareness of, about it, we're kind of running. Um, sort of a campaign or an, a, like a, an exhibition um, where everyone in the whole house is is kind of putting together creating artworks or, or whatever and we're going to show it in different parts of the city so we're doing that but yeah i think whatever happens with that we will inevitably be kicked out yeah so then we'll yeah. all have to find somewhere else to go to gentrification seems to be a general problem and the struggles of creators in, in, in berlin seems to be a general problem is it the case that like creativity or the creative arts and, and, and groups like like you're a part of are they under threat now yeah i think that it is under threat when people can't afford to certain people can't afford to come to berlin live in mm. berlin or create art or whatever it is in berlin and in, in artist studios and i think inevitably that means that it's it is under threat and it does change the city um we've seen this in other places over time yeah so i think it does mean that i think it does mean that of course on an individual level things change you can maybe get find a studio a bit further out of town areas change maybe a different part of the city will become a bit more up uh, you know and, and and of course berlin has the attitude and the vibe that it does and i don't think that's going to suddenly just change and it's going to very suddenly be a much more kind of you know corporal whatever different kind of a place but but yeah, over time it changes, it changes the nature of, nature of the city and, and I think threatens who can be here and what people can do here. So I'm just thinking about New York because you hear a lot of people who've like lived in New York for a long time and they'll say like, oh, it was better in the eighties, you know, mm. when like everyone was getting murdered and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And obviously it's not extreme, it's extreme, but I'm thinking about how when I was in New York, it was quite interesting going to like places like the High Line where they were like this bit we've separated off and is now like a way of, um, exhibiting the creative arts and creative people in our city and is that something that you think will happen in, 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 in Berlin? I mean at the moment creativity seems to sort of flow from a lot of different uh, parts of the city do you think it'll become a point where it's like this 
you've got this like nice bit of the city that where all the creative stuff happens and it sort of makes it quite a niche thing like this is this is what old berlin was like but now we've got these tower blocks and we've got all these like cupcake shops as i said is it like- yeah i don't know i don't know i i i know that i think berliners have done a lot to push back on on gentrification and changing cities there's for example us us running this uh exhibitions campaign that often people when i've seen friends being kicked out of their you know kicked out of whole houses or there's been campaigns against it there's been so i think berliners have done a lot to kind of try and push back on on this but yeah i don't, I don't know whether it'll be in 10 years time berlin will be like a completely sort of um different place and sanitized version yeah maybe i mean i've heard other people say that they think that you know in 10 years time yeah it will be more of a sanitized version it will be different i i i don't know i i i'm not sure but it's already different to how it was obviously kind of 10 years ago so mm. i'd like to think that it's not gonna that we're not gonna suddenly be in a very sanitized completely different version of berlin but I don't know. <laughs> so, us listeners, once again, I just want to thank Abby for joining us on the show over the last two weeks. Uh, it's been really good, or oh, it was really good. I'm quite confused now. It was really good to speak to her uh, last week and this week. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Maybe learned some stuff about Berlin and freelancing and, and all of the other exciting stuff. If you want to catch up with Abby, you can find her on at Paul on Twitter. Or you can go to abbyyoungpowell.com to read some of the, the stuff she's written, some of the excellent pieces that she's written for the various publications we mentioned last week. So yeah, go out and do that now. Some of you eagle-eyed Twitter followers of the podcast will know that we've put out a request for questions that you maybe want to ask about Germany or maybe want to ask about uh, about us, perhaps. Yeah, feel free to contact us either through that Twitter feed. You'll find that on the official Decades From Home Twitter run by Simon, or you can email the show and uh, all that information will come up in a moment. Um, also, I just want to update you about the continued uh, attempts to, to conquer the world of podcasting by getting our listeners to give us star ratings on various apps. Yeah, as I said last week, we finally crossed the threshold of the minimum requirement for, for stars and ratings on Spotify, which means we're now charting. And there's been a noticeable uptick in the amount of people listening to the show which i think is directly connected to that so thank you all of you who have who've given us a star rating on spotify if you haven't please do that uh, it really has an impact and helps grow the podcast and and really it's something that we we can only ask and and you have to, to do so we really really do appreciate it uh, of course you can give us a star rating on on lots of different apps that you're using for podcasts apple google so so and so forth so rate us tweet us um yeah and, and help us grow the show uh, we uh, we really rely on you the listener to do that so we really appreciate it when you can help out so yeah if you're enjoying the podcast you can rate us on the various different apps or you can retweet us and share a link or post with the hashtag decades from home or lowercase on twitter or instagram you can also support the podcast by going to ko-fi.com coffee.com slash decades from home and contributing to keep us well stocked in all the things that we enjoy tea mostly beer perhaps 
and possibly a uh, crapfin, given that it is fashing. As ever, if you have any questions, feedback, or maybe an article or topic you'd like us to cover, you can tweet Simon on at Decades From Home, and you can tweet me at 40% German. You can also get us on 40% German at gmail.com. If you have time, take a look at 40%german.com. Weekly articles are up every Saturday. All that's left to say is thanks and bis zum nächsten Mal. Tschüss!